0: Welcome to the Tall Poppies podcast. To find out more about our guests or the content of the program, including information about the musical excerpts, visit our website at tall-poppies.com. Brendan O'Shea here, welcoming you to this edition of Tall Poppies, where we meet the Sydney born cat, Frankie. It was the record collection of her mum, which was dominated with music of Simon and Garfunkel, the band Bread and Carly Simon, that influenced musician and composer Kat Frankie as a child. Kat grew up in Sydney and taught herself to play the guitar, and apart from a spell in the school choir, she received no formal musical education and, after finishing school, pursued studies in design at the College of Fine Arts at the University of New South Wales. But then, in 2002, Kat made her first public appearance as a singer-songwriter, and it was in Sydney, and in December 2003, she released her first CD, which was called Outside.
1: And I know
0: Despite performing regularly, Kat could not at that stage imagine herself in a music career and went on to graduate as an interior designer. But then in 2004 and in search of creative impulses, Kat moved to Berlin, initially for just a year, but low rents and cost of living meant she had time to focus on her music. And there were plenty of performance opportunities too. In fact, with her first Berlin song, The Wrong Side of Midnight, Kat won a Jackster Award for young Australian songwriters. Kind of musical community that Sydney could not offer, and she soon became a fixture of the German capital's very lively singer songwriter underground. Well, there's been plenty of highlights since those early days in Berlin musical collaborations with some of Germany's most renowned performers, a song for a film, CD recordings, TV appearances, a chance to create a possible Eurovision song entry, and countless festival appearances. Indeed, Catching up with the busy musician was not an easy task, but we did manage to sit down for a chat one late summer afternoon in Berlin, a city that Kat now calls home.
1: When we speak of going home, it only exists in the arms we know. I feel like you never got a chance to throw Like everything I'd like to load it right before They said to shut your mouth while you're getting degraded Keep it from the kids because they don't want to face it
2: everything
0: Well, Kat, first of all, thanks very much for coming on the podcast. <laughs>
2: Thank you for having me, Brendan.
0: But you do have a very special relationship with Berlin. Let's start a little earlier than that. You actually didn't study music and haven't been damaged by musical studies in many ways. <laughs> or what shall we say, perhaps uh, become a little bit inhibited by them in some way? But <laughs> you you studied design mm-hmm. and you st- worked all first of all as a designer in uh, Sydney. Mm-hmm. You started to write songs when you were very young. You know your mum apparently had collections of Carly Simon and uh, Simon and a Garfunkel. Yeah, actually, cool lovely stuff. Connection. Actually, yeah, yeah. they're pretty pretty wordy stuff too for a small yeah. person. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Strangely enough, my yeah my mum was into really cool music and she was really into the, yeah like Kate Bush and stuff like that. I guess I got lucky there. I started in design. I like making things, and for me, music isn't that different, really. Mm. I didn't think of music as a career. I mean, I love singing. I sang every day. I made up songs in my bedroom every day and recorded things. I just thought music was something for that other special people did and, you know, for me it's better to study and have a career and get a job and do that kind of stuff.
0: Indeed you did but the force, of course, was there and you had to continue and you started to actually perform and and get Mm. to know things in Sydney. So uh, what what was it like in the early days in Sydney then when you first started out? Was it a tough one to to break into? I mean, you know, muso sets are... rather unique, aren't they, in that way?
2: Firstly, I was never really a part of the music community in Sydney. So when I was at university studying design, I had uh, some friends who were starting to be DJs and music producers and musicians. And I remember a friend of mine one day, she had a gig in a local pub with her boyfriend at the time that uh, she invited everyone to. And I was like, I was like, how, how, how do you get a gig? And she was like, Well, um, you have to record a demo. And I was like, well, what's a demo? And she was like, well, you know, you have to record a sample of your songs and then send it to a booker. And I was like, but how do you get in contact with the booker? And at the time there was like uh, the drum media, like uh, newspaper, and in the bottom corner of all of the advertisements for gigs was always uh, like a P.O. box or address for the booker of the venue. So a long time before uh, MySpace links and SoundCloud. But So I did that. I had another friend of mine who was at, studying with me who wanted to be a rapper and so he was recording rap at home and so I went into his bedroom and recorded five songs on his on his computer and burned a couple cds sent five off and the next week got three phone calls Wow! so it kind of was just for me it was just ignorance that kind of prevented me from doing it I just had no idea and I had this whole other career trajectory planned Mm. so so that was just sort of when it started, and then slowly just sort of doing shows and learning what that was about, but still still working um, for the architecture company after school.
1: The young and the rest left.
0: So you know, when you talk about architecture and you talk about design, there's a, a lot of structure involved there. You're, you're actually looking at how things are put together. Now, in the music world, of course, doesn't matter what direction of music you go, people talk a lot about first the word, then the music. Is it the first the music or <laughs> then the word for you? Well, how does it work for you? Because, of course, performing your own music is yeah. probably the most important thing for you, I should imagine.
2: It's certainly the most pleasurable thing. For sure, I mean actually creating it is more pleasurable than performing it because in a way performance is just repetition and while it's a joyful thing you know there's no substitute for that very first moment when an idea is manifested. So for me it's, it's very much a mix of maybe a melody, maybe a kind of sound concept, Maybe a beat, maybe a phrase. It's really, really mixed for me. And But the main thing that I try to do whenever I'm producing the music or writing or creating the music, I always try to write my lyrics at the same time, which is something that not all people who produce do. They generally produce and arrange and then, you know, it's quite common that people will just write the lyrics later. And for me it's very important that everything's kind of born at the same moment because a song is words and music and um, I feel like they shouldn't be separate. They should be created in the same moment so that that one can't essentially exist without the other. That's my idea of a good creation. It's like you couldn't separate those two.
0: Got any idea where that idea comes from?
2: (laughs) I don't know. I think it's just, it's always the way I've kind of written, I think. And, um, you know, because... I have stuff that I want to say Mm. (laughs) and these days now that I'm I'm more in the production world I it's become very apparent it's very very tempting to just get into a production hole and and go into that space and just spend hours you know tweaking a tweaking a a synth arrangement or something like that and forgetting that oh there's supposed to be meaning here (laughs) and and so for me it's very much about communicating an idea or a feeling or a moment or a concept and trying to be as concise and using all these tools, using melody, using arrangement, using harmonies, using words, using the phrasing of the words to all express this one idea. And to me that's the way I think a a song Can be strong, like it's it's fundamentally strong, it's structurally strong. You know, it's like a it's like a piece of furniture. The materials need to be strong, the structure needs to be strong, the concept needs to be beautiful, and then you've then you've created something that stands for itself, and that's the same with songwriting.
0: Let's leave Sydney and the suburbs of Sydney and you'll move to Berlin. Mm. You initially came just for a year and that's 12 years ago. I'm wondering how that process that you've just defined for me so clearly actually changed when you you landed here. Mm. Uh, I always find it's very interesting being a foreigner. We're both foreigners here. Mm. I personally think you grow antennas. (laughs) You become more sensitive to all sorts of things. You Mm. become very aware of you know observing something that's going on most of the time yeah. without you and how you're going to fit into it and what that effect has on your creativity being around another language yeah. another culture yeah. and not just any culture of course here in in berlin where when you came was probably quite different to the berlin we live in now
2: oh yeah it's changed it's changed a lot hasn't it it's crazy mm. i mean when i first came to berlin it, there was such a you know i mean i was 24 And I hadn't traveled that much. And uh, so for me, it was obviously, I was kind of terrified. Like it was a different culture, different language, different way of doing things. And that created a lot of tension that I sort of had to figure out how to deal with and also how to express. So you get a lot of, you know, you get a fair bit of material out of that as well. Just that process of adaptation, maybe. Mm. And I think probably over time being... Also, being immersed in, in an environment where, I mean, in this town, they're very, very supportive of their artists as opposed to in Sydney. Just becoming a bit more flexible and also being in an environment where it's okay to be an artist. Like, I, I think, it, you know, in Sydney, there's a lot of like, well, when will you get a real job? Uh, here, there isn't that kind of pressure. And here, it's, you know, it's enough to say, I want to practice guitar every day and be a really great guitar player, I don't necessarily have to have an ambition more than that. And sometimes that's tricky because in Berlin there's a lot of people who have, who have so much talent and no ambition and that drives me crazy. Mm. But uh, But in a way like this, I think being in this environment where people are supported if not encouraged to pursue their creativity has definitely it's it's made me a, a better musician and it's made me really open to a, a lot of stuff that I that I wouldn't have been exposed to otherwise and I and I wouldn't have paid attention to otherwise.
0: Somebody actually got you to write a song, Berlin song, for wow. for a film. Of course, Kreuzberg was your stamping ground, and he took you around Kreuzberg it.
2: Kreuzberg was everyone's stamping ground in that movie. <laughs> it should have been called Kreuzberg Songs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> What's it like for you when somebody comes to you and says and gives you a commission and says write a song about Berlin? I mean, you know, look, it goes down through the ages, composers yeah. that have actually been commissioned and yeah. and also had patrons and all the rest of it. But this this being put on the spot like this, did you have a lot to talk about? Oh, yeah.
2: I mean, this was also very much in the beginning and, and I think, you know, that song I wrote was called The Faint-Hearted Ones and it basically just is about what I just talked about actually, like talented people with no ambition That's basically what <laughs> I was kind of shocked. I was really shocked by that when I first came to town. I was like, oh, it's like it's okay to do that. It's like, you know, to not pursue uh, careers and promotions and sort of quantifiable Sort of, you know what I mean? Like ways of measuring success and stuff like that. That was really shocking to me at the time. So that's kind of what that song's about. But uh, if someone sets me a challenge, I'm really like into trying it out, seeing what comes of it.
1: And it's not for the sons of the countenance last night's cigarettes still glow blood Slow so she dances well this down is a spell calm
0: you think ambitions something that perhaps belongs more to the earlier part of a career and that later in the career that it perhaps is less necessary?
2: I think it depends what kind of career you have or even if you refer to it as a career because a lot of people don't as well you know whether they have one or want one that's that's another thing I mean for me it's always just been about making it sustainable so that you know I mean financially sustainable so that I could afford to you know pay for the next studio session or go on tour or promote it or whatever. But, I mean, there's some people that I see, like there's a lot of kids now who go to, you know, there's like this concept in Germany of the pop schools and the pop academies where sort of young kids with a bit of money can get a private education and learn how the music industry works to learn how to, you know, mix things and, and promote shows and, you know, do business and stuff like that. I think it's great that that exists, but another part of me thinks, where's the struggle, you know? Just seems to be sort of producing a very sort of specific kind of mainstream pop. Not that mainstream's bad, I love the mainstream, but you can sort of hear what's coming out of those schools. Um, but the, the thing is, is that those kids are the most ambitious of all. They're really... Polishing their product, they're really focused on success. They're really up to date with strategy um, and stuff like that. So there's so you can talk about ambition and career, and there's definitely young young people are very focused on that. But then there's also ambition and art, and that's a whole other facet of this city. Is you know to create something that's meaningful, to create something that expresses what you want it to express. And, you know, I'm sounding a bit judgmental now, I guess, but if you remove that sort of desire to, you know, follow the formula uh, and sort of have that kind of measurable kind of financial success, it's a different kind of ambition entirely, you know, probably a bit loftier.
0: What you're talking about here is actually what's the role of an artist? Mm. Is the role of an artist to produce something Mm. that pleases Mm. or is the role of an artist to perhaps express something, right. to convey a message, yeah. to move people in a particular way, make them aware of something in, a, in another way. There are all sorts of difficult ways of talking about art. I always mm-hmm. find it quite difficult. Music is, of course, one of the most difficult things to talk about as well. How close am I to that?
2: I think you've basically hit the nail on the head. I mean, like, who is it for? Why are we making it? Yeah, are we making it for others? Are we making it for ourselves? Most of the time, especially with my my project, my sort of Cat Frankie solo stuff. It's basically the most selfish project I have. Like I really don't make it for anybody other than myself. and I really just uh, you know it's for me, I'm not interested in getting opinions of other people or, or developing it with other people. It's really super 100% about what do I want to say, how do I want to say it? You know, I have other projects like Kioma, which is a band uh, that I do with a guy called Chris Klopfer that I produce. And that's more about how do I communicate uh, Chris's ideas in a clear way? How do I make them manifest? And then there's other things like the sort of, you know, soundtracks and things that I do, where, uh, where, which is very much like a design brief where you have a client where you have to uh, sort of uh, provide the, the product that they've asked for. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, in the pop world, obviously, there's a lot of people that, you know, produce songs because for, for a specific market or because they want it to be played on a specific radio station. So they're very, very aware of how something is produced and created and how the lyrics are, are written and so on. You know, some people are very cynical when they do that. But there's also other people in this world that make that kind of music because they genuinely love it and they, and they genuinely identify with it. So so you can't necessarily be, yeah, totally cynical about about the pop world either, or sort of like sort of chasing that kind of chart or financial success because it's actually a lot of that music gets made by people who really love that music. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Somebody said that it's the pressure always gets you, it'll burn right in your soul. Slip your sneakers as you creep around The sneakers got long, a long night of moving on no, no. So little sister, don't you be brothers, brother's keeper Got a mind to travel along You can get a ready, they can try to hold it steady It'll unravel on your song Let me tell you that I, I know
0: Let's get back to Berlin, where we are. You know, 12 years in Berlin, 12 very interesting years in Berlin. I think there's I think it's probably impossible to say there were any years that weren't interesting in this city, because <laughs> it's so ever changing, isn't it? Yeah. You know. But you actually have been here in this last phase where, well, since 2007, a lot of people attribute it to the World Cup football cup being held here, soccer <laughs> cup, if we've got Australians, and yeah. making sure that everybody understands what we're on about. You know, one of the things that attracted you to mm. the city, if I've understood correctly, is the fact that it was cheap. We all know that artists need to have the pressure taken off them, mm. know that they're going to be able to eat and, you know, have a roof over their heads sure. when they're being creative so they really can be creative and, and dedicate themselves to the stuff that they do. This has sort of changed in Berlin of late, hasn't it? It's uh, The rents have gone up. Um, sure, the
2: rents have gone up, but, I mean, like... Compared to Sydney and Melbourne, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's nothing. It's still, I mean, sure, there's definitely a lot of economic change that's been happening in the last few years here. I think certainly since, um, like, Klaus Wofferreit, the last mayor's time, Mm -hmm. you know, he spent a lot of time courting international investment in this city, and he, you know, he started to build that international airport, which isn't (laughs) working out so well. Um... And it's become very much, you know,
0: international, international. How involved are you in local politics?
2: Oh, I'm not really that involved. I mean, the one thing that kind of bums me out here is I've been paying taxes here for 12 years and I'm not allowed to vote. Mm. It's, you know, which kind Mm. of sucks. It's taxation without representation. It's Mm. terrible. So I feel, you know, I don't actually involve myself in it too much because I don't really, you know, get to have a say. I might show up to a protest once in a while, but it's really... You know, I don't. I don't get to vote. I'm disenfranchised. What can I say? Yet
0: yeah, your songs are all about what people are thinking about here too, aren't they?
2: A little bit. Yeah, that's true.
0: What sort of relationship do you have with German?
2: <laughs> with the language, yes. you mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a it's a tough song to sing in. I got to say. I mean, I tried. I've I've written a couple of things in German. Uh, but I mean, even on my last album, I had a song that was 100% German and a, and a German friend of mine said that like the language that I use, because I like to use sort of a bit more like sort of old school words occasionally. Mm. He said I sounded like Gandalf. <laughs> so, oh <dear. laughs> yeah. So I was like, okay, well, that's the language that I'm using. That's how I translate to Germany. I sound like Gandalf. <laughs> but even, but even like, like I, uh, earlier this year, I had a... Um, I did a duet with a quite a famous German dude and I sang in German for that and I and I just remember the recording session where there was this one <laughs> there was this one line in the chorus where I had to say nichts schlechtes zu sehen like there's nothing bad to see. and it's like <laughs> 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 what? Like I had to record that line like 30 times to get the next, like, I still can't say it. It's like a tongue twister. And it's like, how do you put that in a chorus and make it sound sexy? Nix, nix, schlechtes zu sehen. I mean, it's just, it's just terrible. It's
1: like, that's a pop song? Come on. Warum wird's mir nur so leicht, anzuglauben zu um glauben und nicht schlechtes zu sehen? Doch irgendwas sagt mir leise, wenn du mir liebst, dann lass ihn gehen. Warum wird's mir nur so leicht, anzuglauben zu glauben, darin nicht schlechtes zu sehen? In 2016,
0: you of course Joined in Germany's quest for a song for Stockholm. Yeah? <laughs> now, Australians, of course, they all know about that these yeah. days because Australia is now represented in the Eurovision Song oh Contest. No, so and I mean, what an honor. <laughs> How is that? was that? What was that? This, this, is that mm. Would that be really quite something to actually get a song that far?
2: Oh my God, seriously. Firstly, everyone in Germany are total snobs about Eurovision because they grew up with it. They think, oh, it's the Grand Prix. It's so lame. Oh, it's so, and it's so easy for people to say that. Um, obviously, coming from Australia, I didn't have that perception. I followed Eurovision for years. I used to watch it on SBS. Yeah, so I've just found it wonderfully exotic. I loved that the singers really had to sing. All the vocals have to be live. So you can really tell who's a good singer and who's not. I thought that was really cool. And I liked how, um, you know, you could really sort of see how you, you could f- sort of hear the local flavor in each of those songs. And, and, and there was always sort of traditional instruments being combined with pop music. And it was really kind of interesting the way, you know, it kind of told you how a, how a country sort of saw themselves and wanted to present themselves. And that was always really fascinating to me. Nowadays it's getting a lot more homogenized and every song's produced by s- swedish people. But I think what surprised a lot of people that, that I talked to about this is that we went we went and did the, the pre selection. So we got to compete with nine other acts. It's recorded in a in a TV studio in, in Cologne. And so we got to go to Cologne a couple of days early before the television broadcast and rehearse and sort of put together the lighting and, and stuff. And there was sort of months of consultation before that about you know, what we wanted to wear, how we wanted to move on the stage, um, you know, what kind of backdrop we wanted to use. And, the, and I think the thing was, is that, like, at no point during this process did anyone tell us what to do. Mm. They just listened to us and they, the the production company from, from day one was like, how can we help make what you need? What And what do you need from us? And, uh, you know, and I mean, we had a very low budget as well, being, being an indie act. But um, there was absolutely like a really beautiful collaborative atmosphere. And the other thing is that in German TV, there's not very many opportunities to perform live music. There's only a few TV shows that do it. One TV show is called Ines Nacht, Ines Night. Mm-hmm. And, and that takes place in a very badly... The, the whole concept is that you're, you're hanging out in a... The, the television set is a very badly lit Hamburg bar... And and the host of the show usually sings half of the song with you, so you don't really get you don't really get to perform your own song. <laughs> and that's the most popular TV show for performing music. So
0: yeah. so it's, it's really not a bar, is it? It's really more a pub, a very small pub, we would say. It's
2: I think. a very yeah. small. A
0: bar pub. makes it sound a little classier than yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. It's a small. <laughs>
2: it's a small pub where you're kind of wedged into a, into yeah. the corner. There's a lot yeah. of a lot of wood and a, and a and a lot of sort of flood lighting. It's like no one comes. No one can look attractive in that situation.
0: Still, Kat, one mm-hmm. has to say that it's one of the greatest honors you could have in this country to be on that program because it's one of the most popular programs on on telly.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think like four or five million people watch that mm. that show. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah, mm-hmm. it's 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 pretty wild. So, yeah, I mean, that's you know whether you think it's cool or not, it was a huge opportunity, and I had so much fun doing it. Yeah. I loved it.
0: I, I loved it can imagine yeah. quite quite something now what really comes through for me really loud and clear and in, 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 as we chat here today is the importance for you to, to work independently and to be mm. to be able to have the freedom to do the things you want to do now you've started your own music business here right
2: yeah so i've been independent for many many years until now Greenland is a label that's owned by a quite a famous German musician called Herbert Kronemeyer, sort of very respected and loved stalwart of the of the German sort of rock music scene. And these guys approached me a little while ago and were so chill. They were like, anytime you're ready, we'd be happy to help. And, And it was the most sort of chill interaction. And I think I was just sort of ready to kind of work with somebody else because I think when you... I've had a few conversations with other musicians about this at the moment, about how being independent... Like the parallels between being independent um, to sort of protect your identity, to protect your music, to protect your creativity and also not being ambitious to protect your creativity, to protect yourself from exposure to other people's opinions and voices and criticism... And I think in a way, like I'd already my, my side project Kiyoma, we'd already put on a, a, another record label called Embassy of Music. And I did that because I really I didn't want to put that on my own record label because it was a it was a collaboration and I didn't want to be solely responsible for for a band, you know. I just thought that was that was a little bit too much pressure. And I think through that process I've sort of become a little bit more comfortable. And I think with this record label, there's a lot of people in this industry that kind of understand that you you, you kind of have to have a hands-off approach with me otherwise it's 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 not not going to be a happy situation <laughs> and uh and these guys these guys totally got that from day 1 and uh and I just said look I'm working on this album uh I'm not going to show it to you until it's finished and uh then you can decide and uh and that's what we did so yeah so far it's it's been a really really nice collaboration it's been nice to actually have someone to talk to about you know promotion and video clips and all that other stuff i mean music is like i you know no one's allowed to talk to me about that but uh but uh, you know if you want to have a discussion about distribution in france it's (laughs) nice to have someone to talk to
0: Looking back at the headlines and reading about the refugees in Australia and what's happening there, what's your response to the Australian government's decision to do and act in, in the way it is and in comparison to somebody who's living in Germany then, of course, you know?
2: Yeah, that's a real bummer. It's kind of heartless, isn't it? But the funny thing is is that, like, earlier this year I was also in Australia at a wedding, so I had lots of relatives there, and they were all like, like, I swear to God, all of them were like, what's happening with the refugee situation there? Is there a lot of, there's a lot of people in Berlin? Is it okay? You know, are you safe? Like, just nonsense. And I just thought, oh, this is what some Australians think about refugees. And they were so concerned and I just thought, like I'd barely thought about it. And I was, that was like the first, the first thing I was asked about by by my relatives in Sydney. And I was just like, huh, okay. And it kind of, I kind of understand why you know there's a there's a lot of people that agree with these laws because they're scared of outsiders you know mm-hmm. it's so it's just it's such a pity generally speaking every time australia was kind of appearing in the media or people were asking me about it it was a little bit it was a little bit related to kind of the heartlessness of of these kind of policies
0: what is the long term effect of trump do you think he's having quite an influence on the artistic community
2: yeah, I think I think he definitely is. Um, uh, at least, you know, at the very least, I feel like a lot of people now are very much, are very, very interested in the power of art. Uh, in as as a form of protest, is it sort of an effective way to educate people, change opinion, create awareness? And I, yeah, I've had a few conversations about this now as well. Like, in what way? can it be a tool for enlightenment and change? And you, and you see that now, you see like a lot more, you know, sort of a lot more political content is starting to appear, I think, because, uh, you know, we're, we're living, obviously we're living in this very media-saturated age where the stakes also feel very, feel, feel higher, but, but in some ways they are higher. When the loudest voice is the one that, you know, ends up in the history books you 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 kind of have to you have to sort of speak out and and use the tools that you have available it's mostly at the moment i i i feel certainly in my circle that that uh, yeah people people are, are sort of questioning and testing and experimenting with with the with the limits of of art to sort of capture hearts and minds
0: could you have those sort of conversations in australia do you think
2: i think so i mean i think Obviously Berlin has a huge it has a huge activist culture here. There's you know there's a protest every weekend in Kreuzberg basically. In Sydney everyone's sort of relatively economically well off. Obviously there's a lot of people are focused on different things. So there's not I feel like there isn't such a huge culture of protest in Australia, but I but I certainly think there's you know sort of groups that are discussing this absolutely.
1: Young and the restless old beyond compare the rich kids in Paris the lost and the space.
0: Tell us before we finish now. New album due out soon, mm. right? What's on there?
2: It's a little bit different. There's there's songs you can dance to on this, and uh, there's a little bit of little bit of protest actually, danceable protest. It's the best kind of protest, and uh, and lots of drama, you know, which is kind of typical, but, but
0: I like it. Tell us about the protest.
2: I'm someone who tends to sort of write things in very sort of abstract terms and kind of disguise the origins of things. This album, i have kind of I'm getting a little bit more direct. I could be director and maybe that's something I'll do for the next one. You know, just sort of addressing ideas of, uh, again, you know, there's a song on there that's really about how you know, is a little bit anti how where you know society tries to control us or shape what we are and are and aren't allowed to do. It's a little bit like what we were talking before about marriage equality, um, that other people get to decide what you know mm. what you can and can't do. So so it's it's basically about that. Oh, there's a really pretentious song about there was a women's march um, that sort of was sort of the first thing that started to trigger the the French Revolution. There mm-hmm. was a it sort of led to a huge mob of people heading over to Versailles and bringing the king back to Paris because he was completely out of touch as a leader and people were starving, which is also relatively relevant today. So, you know, there's a few more kind of um, heavier heavier topics this time that are that are popping up. with sort of you know, because really again, you know, you can, you can talk about doing art, art for yourself or for others, but, you know, I'm just also just trying to express and process how I feel about the world
0: today. Let's hope so. Yeah. Cat yeah. Frank, I, I really do appreciate <laughs> very much your time and for being so generous and sitting uh, here and talking with me today. And uh, all the good. best for this new production. Thank you. And uh, looking forward to hearing lots more. And yes, and sampling <laughs> lots more of the, the remarkable Cat Frankie.
2: <laughs> Thank you very much for having me, Brendan. Take care.
0: Singer-songwriter Cat Frankie there. Don't forget, if you'd like to find out some more about this program or the Tall Poppies series, drop by our website. You'll find it at tall-poppies.com. That's tall-poppies.com. You can also drop us a line at the email address info at tall-poppies.com. Sound engineer Thanos Karakantas helped put together this episode, which was produced in Berlin and made possible through the support of the Australian Embassy in Berlin. It was nice to have you with us today. I'm Brendan O'Shea, and I will look forward to welcoming you again to our next Tall Poppies podcast very soon.